everybody i am absolutely delighted to be joined again by stuart wilson um, who is going to join me today to discuss our the second part of our series connecting the dots welcome back stewie great Thanks to so see much. you again great to be here again and um we i have a mental weight questionnaire or report here in front of me and this is what i picked the topics from basically um for the the series because these um, would be the main triggers, or we say connecting the dots, that come up for adolescents. So I'm delighted to get your feedback and your input on the actual topics. So our last series, we spoke basically about body image, self-esteem and the influence of social media. And then today, we're going to talk about a topic that comes up um, on our adolescent mental weight reports, and that is assessment of risk-taking. We talk about risk-taking and peer pressure. Again, these are all triggers that are causing unhappiness in adolescents and a reason to overeat, or it could be drugs, anything in the mouth. Again, it's oral, goes back to comfort eating. So what's your experience, um, Stewie, with risk-taking and peer pressure among uh, adults? What are they going through? What, what are you seeing in your clinics? Yeah, and I suppose um, to look at that, actually, we probably need to look at the correct kind of developmental stages of toddler through into adulthood, just to so that we kind of understand it, because otherwise we can see risk taking as being wholly negative, and actually it's a part of the process of developing as a young person. So, so when we look at, at early stages of developmental uh, process, let's call it through uh, from toddler years, we, we see young people who start off embedded, as in they're connected in with their moms and dads closely, they're particularly maternal, they're very closely connected and embedded as a toddler with their mom. Everything's done through mom, everything's connected to mom. And as they start to grow and develop correctly and properly, you probably see that in the, I have a sixth, fifth to sixth class or in primary school right now, and she's starting to disembed. And, and it's correct and it's proper. Her, her, her disembedding means she's not wholly relying so much on mom and dad to organize play dates. She's kind of, you know, get, growing up a little bit and making her own progress in those kind of areas, deciding on her friendships, deciding on her connections. Up until that point, it was whoever we created the play dates with, you know. So she's starting to disembed or slightly pull away from, from the normal maternal. And that's normal and that's good. Now, that's a little bit of a struggle sometimes with parents, but it's, it's normal and good, okay? Uh, we, we see that disembedding stage usually lasts a little while until it leads into what we call interiority. The interiority stage is when typically if I was to look at a year, and you can't categorically say the year, but typically it would probably be your first year in secondary school leading into second year perhaps, where your interiority starts. Okay, And it can last quite a significant period of time. But it's where kids start to go from the disembedding into kind of defining themselves a little bit, their own friendship groups, their own connection groups, their, their, everything becomes about their friends, about fitting in and about the time that they spend within those groups. And, and then we're going to probably stay mostly in this stage right now talking about it. But then they start to move from interiority when they're comfortable and confident in finding who they are in themselves into late teenage years, again, typically probably 17, 18 years of age, heading towards the, the kind of integrated stage where they kind of feel like they've landed a bit. They kind of know who they are. They have some ideas what they want to do with their future, perhaps. Or listen, I know some great 30 or 40 year olds who don't know what they want to do with their future. <laughs> so I'm not saying we have it all wrapped up. But they start to kind of have a picture of where that's leading, you know, some ideas as to the future. Then they have the launch into adulthood. I'm saying launch into adulthood because it's not adulthood. 
And depending on how those phases have gone, the interiority is probably a very important part of the launching um, when it moves into integrated. That launch is either a good launch or it's not, actually. And that leads into adulthood then, where we, we spend our time. I know a lot of adults who didn't make it through the interiority stage or got trapped there. So mm. we, we, we therapeutically assist them and understand what happened and why, and they're able to kind of move through those stages. So that's the context in which we're looking at risk-taking and peer pressure. Because for a, you know, a fifth classer, one of my daughter's fifth class right now, um, we don't see any of these kind of struggles. We start to see them in probably the end of first year, beginning of second year, where kids are really trying to find themselves and their friendship groups becomes everything. And we, we spoke in a previous podcast about how kids will change their behaviours to fit in, how they will creatively adjust how they do behaviours to fit in with the groups that they're in. So that's why we might see kids move towards you know, drug taking, or that's why we might see kids move towards vaping. That's why we might see kids move towards alcohol. Young, too young, or in some cases, even towards inappropriate sexual connection. Because in some cases that is meeting those needs that kids want to have met in that interiority stage. You know what I mean by that? That's where um, the, 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 the first year or second year girls are dressing um, like you'd see a 25 year old heading to a disco, do you know? It's, it's almost where you're going, why are they growing up so fast? Or why are they trying to do it? I think we all in our own ways did our little rebellious stages as we were growing up, but it's very different now. Why is that? Well, they're doing that dress sense or they're doing it that way because that's what they're seeing on their Instagram worlds as being the correct development. And they want to get there quickly because they want to speed through interiority because they're grown up. So they'll take risks. It's normal that they will take risks. In a strange way, it's good that they are in that stage, but we've got to be very careful about the risks we allow them to take. And I suppose for parents listening to this, if you're struggling with that, if you feel, gosh, my, my teenage daughter is making some unwise decisions, I don't like who she's hanging around with, I, I'm, I'm upset by the fact that I think they're going drinking in a field, or whatever you're we're worried about or concerned about, um, first of all, realise you're not on your own. It's really important that we realise this is, this is a nationwide issue. In fact, I'd go bigger than that and say it's global in many cases. And we need to be able to understand what to do, what we can do about it. So you're not on your own, but also, as well as not being on your own, don't keep it to yourself, you know? A huge amount of, of work that we do, Ashling, and this is why I love doing these podcasts, is to reach parents to hopefully encourage them to realise you think you're on your own with these things. You think there's no one else going through it. You think that if I talk about it, it's embarrassing. You know, don't be embarrassed by this. Talk to somebody who knows. Probably 60% of our clinical work, we don't ever even see the adolescent because we assist in understanding and support and scaffold the parents to understand they can do lots. They just need support. Um, and I think that that's a really important message to parents. Don't be discouraged. You're not on your own and we can do something about it. So the risk taking is a part of developmental stages. It's correct, it's proper, and it's right. But as parents, we've got to be very careful. How do we do that as parents? What, do we, what can we do that will help our children safely move through the interiority stage where risk-taking is a part of that life? Well, we talked about some things earlier on that help. First of all, it's, it's, it's not to, to not talk about it. It's not to kind of think it'll go away, they're just growing up on their own, you know, they're doing the right things that they're meant to do. All of the kids, this is what I hear very often, all of the kids are doing it. If you're that parent saying all of the kids are doing it, don't be afraid to step up and go, yeah, but, and I don't want my kid maybe drinking in the field at 14 because I don't know what they're drinking, I don't know who they're with. And then we have those red zones, mayhem zones, reactional zones, where kids can't make 
proper developmental decisions when they've got alcohol on them, whether it comes to inappropriate sexual connection or it becomes drug taking. That, that is cortex based because they're not a developed adult. They make inappropriate, unwise decisions. We can't allow, or if we can try to not allow parents to be in that position where they're making those decisions and then we're dealing with those consequences. So talk, 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 talk sit the kids down i call it green zones sit down and have those conversations in green zones we put a couch in our living room sorry a couch in, in our bedroom which is a we call it couch time where the kids we invite the kids at different times now you know age appropriate and also cringe appropriate so we're not trying to wreck their heads with it but we will we will gather in our bedroom at times and our kids will follow right and it's amazing since we put the couch in we put two extra couches into our house one in the living room sorry one in the bedroom and another one in kind of the, the sort of dining area but we just made it into another loungy area as well as being a dining area honest to god it's incredible the reaction we've had from those with our kids at times myself and Maggie might sit down there just to have a little chill out and you're always joined by one of them who has something yeah. that ends up into a deepened conversation and you know what it's actually glorious yeah it's actually amazing yeah. you mentioned previously in relation to love is very often the answer to these things we think our kids don't want anything to do with us in the interiority stage that's actually the time i call it making a bid for our kid that's actually the time to make more bids than ever in offering you know i can remember a time where my son was he's 24 now and all grown up but I can remember a time when he was about 15 we used to go for our for our men's breakfast because there's only two lads in the house <laughs> and we'd have that every time again I used to do go weekly men's breakfast on a Saturday morning where we'd eat all the wrong things or drink the wrong drinks and no one would tell mum <laughs> and it was just dad and son time a bit of fun really enjoyed mm. it and then I remember a time where I'd call him every Saturday morning and I'd say hey Keen we're going off to have breakfast are you ready and he'd go and that'd be great and then one day it just became oh dad I'm kind of busy today can we skip it this week and I'm like oh yeah of course okay and I went out to the car and cried and went to my own <laughs> and <laughs> the next week I called him again and he said the same I'm, I'm busy I've got stuff on and I'm going oh that's okay and I went off my own again the third week I stopped and I just went out the door and my very smart wife turned around to me and said what are you doing and I said I'm going to have breakfast she says you didn't call Keen and I said but he doesn't want to go anymore and she looked at me <laughs> with those eyes <laughs> and said oh so you're giving up asking and I looked mm -hmm. at her and I went oh my gosh thanks yeah. of course not so I asked for uh, for another uh, almost nine months every Saturday and every Saturday the reaction was uh, really busy got stuff on and he did and it was good okay it was just hard for me uh, nine months later Keen had an off breakfast I'm going out the door and okay dad I'll be with you in a minute and I sat in the car and couldn't hold the emotion I was crying and he gets in the car and he says Jesus we haven't done this in a while and I said, uh, well, actually, it's nine months. No, it's not. It couldn't be. It's only a few weeks. Mm. And we had a most amazing conversation. Great chat. And talked about it. Listen, you know, Miss is coming to breakfast with you. And he said, yeah, it's great. Dad. Can we do it once on Blue Moon rather than every week? <laughs> so yeah. correctly, yeah. he's moving through the interiority zone. Does that make sense? Yeah, really? so total. In, in, yeah. In, in understanding that, what Maggie helped me realize is we've got to keep making the bid. He might still say no, but in his mind, it was only weeks. In my mind, I felt every day of it. But for, for him, it was making and continuing to make those bids. We've got to do that for all our kids. And in the ways that they like it to happen. There's a great book written by Gary Chapman who talks about the five love languages of young people, about adults, but also as young people. 
your listeners can Google this and they can mm. actually do a test online to discover the love language of your young person. So how do I reach my young person? You or I will reach them in the way we were read, we were reached, the way we were um, loved as a young person. So if you were hugged, you hug your kids. If you were, you know, a verbal communicator, a firmer, you'll affirm your kids. But that might not be their language. So we need to find what theirs is and we need to reach them appropriately and not the way we want, the way they need. Um, and your listeners can do that online. It's a very simple exercise. Also, by the way, it's a it's a marriage saver. <laughs> okay, okay. I'll listen to. I'll definitely get that book. Yeah, for sure. Um, after many years of marriage with Maggie, and I sat yeah. down and did this, and it was fabulous Brilliant. for us to be understand that we were doing it wrong for so many years. Okay. and needed to sharpen up our game. So that was Gary Chapman. Gary Chapman yeah, wrote a book called the Five Love before. Languages. Yeah, yeah. Five Love, and, love and Languages. You, yeah. you mentioned a word earlier on, yeah. Ashley, when you said you know love is very often the answer mm-hmm. to these things. We focus on a lot of the negatives, peer pressure. We focus on risk taking but love is very much the if we're making the bid for our kids even if they're saying I don't want to do that they hear us saying but I want to spend time with you it's still making that bid and still trying to connect with them there's another great author by the name of Dr. Daniel Siegel who um, very well renowned neuroscientist and psychiatrist who wrote many different books, but one of his books is which is called The Whole Brain Child. Uh, it's written really simply in lovely uh, layman's terms that any, we could, any of us can read. Um, and it talks about how at the basis, he's, he would suggest, of every type of uh, mental health or wellness disorder, and he, he would list them, you know, so we talk about anxiety or depression or any such like. He said at the root of that is sadness and loneliness and disconnect, and the answer is love. Now that's a, that's a, I love his writing because to me that fits. So we've got to find ways to continue to love our kids even if we don't like their behaviour at times. And that can be difficult, but we've got to get creative as parents. So they, it's appropriate that they take the risks. It's appropriate that they create the, the upsets for us at times when they do that. What I, what I would often say to parents is, rather than go into the red zone reaction when they do something that might be a little bit silly or a little bit, you know, even slightly dangerous, Let's make a bid. Let's try and reach them first and then ask the questions. What's going on for you? Talk Mm. to me. Let me understand and hear. And that's a green zone conversation, sitting on the couch in a bedroom or sitting in the living room having a conversation and try and understand all they're trying to do. All they're trying to do is fit in. And for for a risk-taking adolescent, fitting in is the single most important thing in their life. So upsetting mum or dad isn't as important. fitting in is what counts and if their friends tell them they're great they start to move through interiority doesn't mean they won't make bad decisions because their friends might be leading them astray but you and I are probably and any parents listen to this you know I will get in my car and drive anywhere in the country to try and connect my kids to something that I believe is empowering and good for them we've got to find the right fit for them because for some it'll be sport for others it'll be drama for others it'll be something different for one of my daughters it was horse riding I know that's that's mm. big in your family too mm. to, to get the connect that works We'll drive anywhere for that because we're thrilled to see our kids blossom. So sometimes risk taking is showing us it's not quite fitting and they're really trying hard. And if we know they're doing that, why would we come down hard on them? We want to be able to try and meet them in a green zone. That makes total, total sense when when you put it like that. And I'm I'm thinking again, it's boiling back to you said there yourself, communication, talking, your green zone, talking quietly. and and love love and communication and i'm just thinking that's one of the lovely tools that we have that help for um any of our listeners for adolescent and parents we say to uh, to to our our clients this you need to do this together 
Mm-hmm. Um, so we actually have an audio for the adults um, that they listen to. And then we have a special adolescent audio that the adolescent listens to. Um, and it's all about risk taking, body image, etc. And the goal is to sit down together and then we get the parent to listen to the adolescent version also and the goal is to sit together and I've had my own girls listen to it and to say well what did you think is there anything you want to talk about what did you think of the self-esteem and if they don't want to talk and there's no issues great yeah. but they will if because we have an open an open door and open like you yeah. if one gathers we'll all we'll all gather um so yeah it's it's um I would I'm totally for what you say and it makes total total sense um, so yeah, for parents listening, as Stewie said, you know that they're, that's they're gonna take risks. That's that's what adolescents do. Um, just just actually before we finish on that topic, I'm thinking of a few adolescent clients that I have who don't take any risks. Um, now it could be assertiveness, or say for example, I'll give you a perfect example. A lot of adolescents are on the way home from school. And all their friends are stopping in the shop and they're buying the crisps and they're buying all the stuff full of sugar. Um, And this particular adolescent is been drawn into the group and just afraid to say no. Um, Have you any advice for that to the adolescent? So what would you say to that child? Brilliant, because it is you're actually describing one of my kids right now. Okay. (laughs) and it's normal, first of all. Yeah, it it happens um, as well as the kids who will act out as the kids who don't. Um, And it can feel like, well, if I don't go along with something that could be eating inappropriately or eating things that are not good for me or that could be drinking or whatever. So we feel like if I don't act out, I won't be accepted. Very interesting. Talk about it with your adolescent. First of all, if you're an adolescent listening to this, don't feel like you're the only one. There's probably, if you have a group of eight or nine, there's probably one or two others within that group who also feel the same way you do, but they're not brave enough to actually say, do you know what? When I eat that, I actually don't feel good afterwards. It makes me feel really bad. Or if I drink that, the drinks at the moment, Ashling, are a big problem in my world yes. for, for, for what I see our adolescents taking. And they're, they're really unhealthy, obviously high sugar, but high caffeine. So there's lots of concerns around those. And it's okay for the adolescent listening to this to say, I can make that call and I can say, I don't really want to drink that. It doesn't make me feel good. Or I don't like the, 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 the crisps or the food that, you're, that, the, that we're, we're eating. So you're not on your own. And if you stand up quite often, here's what happens. There's always a lone wolf. I mean, it's leadership, isn't it? There's always a lone wolf who will make a decision and they think, oh my gosh, there's a great video you can look up online on YouTube of this where it's literally somebody standing up in the middle of a park and they just stand up and start dancing. Music starts going and they start dancing and everyone looks at them and laughs and thinks it's hilarious. And after a little while, one other person joins and just stands behind them and starts dancing too. Literally, the lone wolf becomes accompanied then by, the, by the, the first responder, right? And then when the first responder joins, what happens? Another person joins, and then within no time, the entire park is dancing. <laughs> Nothing great has ever happened without somebody taking a stance. Nothing incredibly life-changing has ever happened unless someone took a stance and was courageous and brave and was willing to take a little bit of a risk, okay? But that's a good risk because that's a risk that says, I can do this. How does your esteem, after you've made a decision like, I don't want to eat the crisps, I don't want to eat that stuff, and you make a call on it, you feel happier about yourself later on, or more content rather than happy, let's say, more content. It could be that some of your friends hit you with, oh, what's wrong with you? You know, you, we're all having it. Why, don't, why do you have to be different? Or something like that. Now, if that happens, please, as a young person listening to this, go home and talk about it. 
please don't hold that on your own please don't go to your room go to your phone and ignore it please talk to a mum or a dad please talk to an, an older adult who you trust and love if it's an auntie or if it's a mentor or if it's somebody who you can connect with as a therapist mm-hmm. because that's actually you're on the cusp of something amazing happening in your world it feels horrible but it's something amazing because you're questioning your friendships and it may be that your friendships are you're trying to f- change your personality or change creative adjustments like we talked about to connect in with people who you are not going to be fitting connecting with you have a, you have a problem down the line with this if you don't look at it but you're on the cusp of something incredible and that is you're on the cusp of something that creates awareness that then could lead to an opportunity for changing something powerfully for yourself and it might be that you question some of those relationships you do one of two things you stand up like the lone wolf and you communicate and you make a stand in which case some will join you or in which case you've confirmed to yourself this is not my tribe and if that's the case there's pain attached to that i'm not gonna lie that hurts a little so if you're not a lesson listen to this don't be on your own with that pain you're incredibly brave you're an amazing person for for hearing that through thinking that through and acting on it but talk to an adult who can help you and understand that so that they will encourage you and guide you because before you leave a group, and I do this all the time with young people, particularly teenage girls, which group, as you know, in teenage girls is significantly different than teenage boys, that if you are going to connect and change within a group, you don't just do it overnight where there's catastrophic fallout. It might be that you start to look at other, if you were to, I use the word stalk here in a friendly way, right? But if you were to almost stalk good connections and friendships within your school, perhaps, would they be the friends you're with now? Or would it, be potentially, would it potentially be another group who you love what they're like, you love what they stand for, you'd love to be connected with them, but they're just not your friends? Is there a way you could start to put a toe into that camp? And I've seen this navigate with young girls who are very brave, but to be able to actually slowly move slightly into a different camp and all of a sudden find their tribe, Ashling. Mm-hmm. and takes a little yeah. bit of guidance and understanding but please don't be afraid of that any young people listening to this today yeah. and for parents those parents quite often will sort of nearly make their tribes for them it's listen to your young person if they're struggling within that group that they're in assist them almost coach them to realize their needs could be met much better with another group if that makes sense yeah total total sense um and you know i, I again we're saying that the, the podcast is for this podcast and series of podcasts is for parents, but also for adolescents. So I would encourage any of the parents listening to this, even if your um, child, children or your child doesn't have a weight issue, I would encourage you, even I do it myself sometimes, play this in the car when you have your child in the car and just just say you're listening to it because you'll be amazed what from the age of, of what, three or four, their brains are like sponges. They will pick up the positive messages. I heard someone say that to me recently. She was listening to one of our audios and she's noticed that her child has started eating healthy food and the child is only like four or five and has never touched carrots or broccoli or whatever. But she had the audio playing. So something she said just clicked. So, I think you know yeah for you adolescents out there Stu I just think that is wonderful wonderful advice and hopefully will help so don't do what we call the herd mentality Mm -hmm. be the wolf be the first person and what you said is so true I say that to them as well Mm. I bet you there's someone in the group here who's just waiting for the brave person to say oh I'm I'm, you know I'm going to be healthy you don't have to say you're on a diet or trying to lose weight you want to take the healthier option and why as you said Stewie because you feel better they're going to 
feel a self-esteem is going to be really high um so yeah i hope I, that has been really fascinating stewie thank you and as a, as a mum of three girls I'm, I'm gonna take a lot of that on board as well um so thank you again so much for coming in listeners i am sure you found that helpful i know i did and we look forward to another podcast stewie you're going to come into us again yeah be delighted uh, yeah to. brilliant and we're going to cover another topic so we'll talk to you then take care <laughs>